Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, media personality, enthusiast, and political enthusiast, ready to talk about this week in Georgia politics. I am State Representative Terry Anulowitz from Smyrna, Georgia, and I will talk about all the politics and all the other things as well. Well, we'll start on a sad note. House Speaker David Ralston passed away. We had talked about him last week because he was stepping down from leadership. And that was really sudden news. Tell me about how you took that. So when he announced that he was stepping down because of a health issue, anyone who knows him immediately knew that this was a very, very serious health issue and something that came on very suddenly. And because he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have run again knowing that he had he was facing some kind of a major issue. I mean, David Ralston intended to be the Speaker of the House for the 2023-2024 upcoming legislative session. And, you know, I had dinner with him in July. And, you know, the last time I saw him was in September. And it, you know, clearly he, he was not feeling well. I don't think, I, I really don't think anyone understood or appreciated how how ill he was and and again when that the announcement made that he was not going to be speaker it it was stunning and shocking to a lot of people and I remember at the time when we were recording saying you know we have to be careful not to eulogize someone who was still among us and and he was and he had every intent intention you know from what I have been told he you know, wasn't he knew he couldn't be speaker but he was going to continue to serve his district in you know from Blue Ridge Georgia and it was just really you know, a lot of us, you know, have been trying to get updates, texting people, you know, you don't want to bother his family. So, you know, we, there's, you know, sort of just a network of how everybody was trying to figure out what's been going on with the speaker and what, what the prognosis is. I, you know, I had heard last week that he was having some better days and that was great news. And then of course it was just devastating yesterday to find out that he had passed away. Yeah. So that's, uh, with the day we're recording, this is Thursday is that's when we found out. And that was just, it was so, so sad. I mean, I, had anticipated that he wasn't well, but I didn't think it would be this sudden. Uh, so, uh, and so, what's really lovely to hear is that the 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 response from people people have been really emotional. Obviously, you were very emotional the last time we talked about it. Reading uh, last week, we had Greg Bluestein on his the way he talked about uh, Speaker Ralston when he was a young journalist and how even though Ralston wasn't always thrilled with what he wrote, he always gave him a lot of respect and really honored the press. And right. so, and, and other, I saw like people like Nikema Williams mm-hmm. giving beautiful words, you know, Democrats and Republicans alike. And that's rare in this day and age to see that. It is. And that that's part of, that. that's so much of what David Ralston's legacy is, is the the respect and the decorum. And, and he truly did. I mean, he held the House, the institution of the House above any political party affiliation. And, 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 and I, I mean that. I mean, that was, the House was a very sacred space and House members were his family. I mean, he, you know, if you had a sick family member, you were going to get a call from him. He always remembered everyone's birthdays. He, I mean, you know, if your birthday, you know, every day during session, he would recognize whose birthday was that day whose birthday was going to be coming up over the weekend? He, you know, my I have a summer birthday, so my birthday never gets recognized. But we have, you know, he would always send birthday cards, um, and just always, wow, just, just he, yeah, a very, a very thoughtful, conscientious person who really did value every single person in that house and valued every all of us in the house in a way 
that went way beyond party. I mean, you were if you were a member of the house, you were part of David Ralston's family. And it was very, very clear. And it's just, it's just, I just, I hate it for his wife, Cherie. I hate it. I mean, I know his staff is brokenhearted. And he's the kind of man, like, I, you know, talk about, you know, the times when I would be a part of, of, of a group going to dinner with him. And it would not just be lawmakers and lobbyists. It would be his staff. It would be the administrative staff from his office. It would be, you know, I mean, all levels of staff from his office. It would be the state trooper who I, I mean, my just, my heart breaks when I think about the friendship that they had and how, you know, I mean, when you're the speaker of the house in Georgia, you, especially the past couple of years, he needed that, that protection. He needed that trooper. And you, you do, you just need someone who can get you where you need to go in, in the way that keeps, keeps you safe. And everyone would be sitting around that table together. I mean, it was a very, just the respect he had for everyone in his life and the love that he showed them. And it is, it is just such an incalculable, an incalculable loss. And it, it's, it's very sad. And you do, you see it when, when the tributes coming in are coming from, you know, from Stacey Abrams, they're coming from, you mentioned Akima Williams, they're coming from all of his, you know, the Republican colleagues, John Ossoff had a, you know, wrote something lovely today. It's just, it, it, he is someone who was, was greatly respected by everyone who worked with him. Because even if, even if you were going to be on the opposite side of an issue from him, there was never going to be, it wasn't going to be done in a way that was mean. It was going to be done on the, on the, on the issues and on, and, and done in a way that is respectful. Well, Man, I feel so emotional and and I'm looking at you and if you could see Terry, I can see you're getting emotional too. This is really like, you know, they don't make them like that anymore. And and I'm sad that I never got to meet him or be around him and I always knew of him and, and it's just, it's a real, real loss. So before we move on from this, you had put this out today and this, this was, um, something that happened back in the house that was featured on Full Frontal with Samantha B. And we're going to play a little clip of it. Can you set this up? Yes. So this was, this was before I was even in the house. And this was, there were, there was, there were thousands and thousands of rape kits in Georgia that were not being tested. This was in every county and every city. And people had been raped. People had been, you know, these, and they're, they're, they were not getting justice. They were not getting the justice they deserved in large part because these rape kits were sitting on shelves in warehouses. It, it was it was a nightmare. And so Scott Holcomb is a lawmaker from Metro Atlanta. He is a, a an attorney. He is a a brilliant policy mind. He is a very very hardworking legislator. And he decided, and he's really it is still his mission to make sure you know not only he's he's accomplished the rape kits being tested and and cases have been solved in the years since this since this bill passed that you're going to hear a little bit about in this clip. Cold cases have been solved. It, it, it's amazing. And Scott should be very, very proud of the work that he did, but he didn't do it alone. And, you'll, and you know, he, Senator Elena Parent was key to that. And Speaker David Ralston was key to these rape tests, the rape test kits in Georgia, the rape kits in Georgia actually being tested, these cases being solved, these rapists being brought to justice. And, and so that is sort of the, the and when this, when this clip was happening, Scott's bill had passed the Georgia House unanimously and was stalled in the Senate. A former senator named Renee Unterman was not going to have it. I was sitting at my desk and one of the speaker's aides tapped me on the shoulder and said the speaker would like to talk to you. And I'd been in the House for six years and I've never had the speaker ask for my advice uh, while we're voting on bills before. I'm David Ralston. I'm the speaker of the House of Representatives in Georgia. 
he asked very directly, um, what the f is wrong with Renee? When I looked at Scott Holcomb, I didn't see Scott Holcomb a Democrat. I saw Scott Holcomb, a member of the House, who had a good idea about something we needed to do in Georgia. Okay, so then it goes on. It's just be, I look at you, you're all yeah. teary. It's so hard. Scott Holcomb, a member of the House. Oh, so sorry. It's really so sad. sorry. I highly recommend that you watch that whole clip. We would play the whole thing, <laughs> but it is basically they tell the story of what t Terry just told. Here's some tissues. Oh, thank you. Here you go. <laughs> Thanks, Mira. Um, th they tell the story of of what went down with all that, and it was like an incredible outcome in the end, and it was really because of St Speaker Ralston. But I highly recommend you watch it. And as a matter of fact, We'll put the link in the show notes so you can go ahead and see it. But it's it's like Schoolhouse Rock and the way they animate it is so great. I remember when this came out in real time and I thought, my gosh, this is government working both sides. It was so remarkable. And and so what a great what a great idea that you brought this out for people to see and and remember the speaker in this way. I mean, it's just one of many examples of how again Speaker Ralston if you're a member of that house, if you're a member of his family and you had something, you had policy that was going to make Georgia a better place, he was going to help make sure that happened. Well, that's an inspiration for uh, what's next. So now we have a new speaker. Tell me a little bit about uh, what's happened. Yes. So this week, the Georgia House Republican Caucus had their leadership elections and there were really two main folks. You know, there were a lot of folks who had talked about wanting to go in and who said they were going to run. And there ended up being two final candidates. You know, I'm sure that all kinds of deals were cut, negotiations were made, chairmanships were promised. I'm That is ha what always happens anytime you have, you have those kinds of elections. So at the end of the day, it was John Burns, who was the, had been the House Majority Leader, and then Barry Fleming, who is, John Burton is from South Georgia. Barry Fleming is from the Augusta area. Barry Fleming, you might know, is the person who wrote SB202, which is the voting bill, which is, you know, part of why we don't have drop boxes everywhere like we did in the past. And to be clear, nothing nefarious or illegal ever happened with a Dropbox. Uh, they just Brian didn't... Kemp voted via right. Dropbox Ex exactly. in, in 2020. Exactly. So, but you said Burns when yes. he, that he, that he was really the best case scenario. So, I, so yes. you know and him? So I do know him. I, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I know both of them, but I know, you know, I have a, I, I think I have a great relationship with John Burns. I like him a lot and I adore his wife. She is Dale Burns. She is wonderful. She'll be the, the new first lady of the house. And, and John is, well, I guess speaker speaker to be he's not speaker elect officially yet because the whole house does have to does have to vote for him but you know the the nominee for speaker John Burns is um he is a fair person he is he was very close to speaker Ralston he is someone who you know again wants to help good policy move forward so I'm very I'm very optimistic uh the you know the 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 additional leaders that are coming in, you know, Chuck Efstration, who has been the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he is the new Republican. He's their majority leader. Um, I think Chuck is a terrific person. Chuck has been very helpful to me, or Chairman Efstration, excuse me. He's been very helpful to me in in the legislation that I've moved during my years in the House. Um, 
he is, you know, again, he's a he's a, a good, honest broker and a fair person. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, right. I honestly think that, you know, Houston Gaines, he's from Athens. He's a he's a great kid. <laughs> he's my colleague. He's he's not a kid. He's not a child. He's a he's a grown up person who is <laughs> going into his third term in the house. <laughs> Very happy for him, um, you know, because he'll be in, he'll be in leadership now. It is, I think that when well. So when these elections were happening and when we kind of knew it was going to be... It was before Bur- it was before he passed away. Yes, yes. And it, when we knew it was going to be Burns versus Fleming, and a lot of Democrats, myself included, like we didn't want to talk too much about how we really preferred Burns for this because nobody wanted any Republicans to be able to say, well, if the Democrats want this guy, we shouldn't, you know, maybe we shouldn't want... I see, I yeah, see. so... You know, I, I think a lot of us try to kind of keep our powder dry, but we're very secretly like, we really hope it's Burns. And I'm, well, then I'm, that's congratulations good. Congratulations to him. That's good. Uh, yeah. And that's actually, a, you know, raises the question. We are, we're going to talk to Maya Prabhu in, in it from the AJC in a little bit about HB 41, the six-week abortion bill uh, law that was basically overturned and what that means for your session coming right. up. So we will have our guests in a minute. But before okay. we get to that, um, I want to talk about the runoff, obviously. Now we've got that. We've got a couple of weeks left and things are really heating up. I mean, this is really getting interesting. So early voting is going to be happening after Thanksgiving. And it looks like there's some like murkiness over the Saturday voting, Robert E. Lee's birthday, the one the, I the, came. The quote <laughs> yeah, the euphemistically called now state holiday, which is the basically the Friday after Thanksgiving. And it's like, we've got this holiday on the calendar. Where are we going to, we're not going to call it Robert E. Lee Day anymore. Where are we going to move this holiday? Right, so. right. So like, basically you have to check the Secretary of State's website for all the early voting, but it looks like there will be early voting on that Sunday. I know in Cobb County, there is no Saturday voting, but there is voting starting on Sunday, November 28th from noon to five. There is Sunday voting. And then... For the next two weeks, you know, Monday through Friday, there's going to be voting from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I think they, I know Cobb has confirmed all the early, early voting locations. I've publicized the list on my Instagram. I know that the, basically if you're trying to figure out early voting, go to your county's website because I know when we last recorded, there were there a lot of the counties hadn't determined what and where and when sure. they were going to be, what dates they're going to be doing it. They knew they had, but now we know every county is, has, is making their plans so you can figure out how you can go ahead and early vote. And I really think the time constraints on this are so, you know, you can still request an absentee by mail ballot and do that if you have to, but I think the best bet is to, is yeah, to you try to go vote early. Person. Yeah, I, I, think mean, you re- I think that's the safest bet because they're just so, especially a holiday season. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's, every it's thought, listen, yeah. our audience knows. And, and yeah. our audience knows that if you're listening to this and someone needs that absentee ballot, you know what? Just go pick them up and take them there and call it a day. Right, like if you have someone who's truly housebound. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. just do that. Okay, so now the ads have sort of started. I've I've mostly just seen the the Warnock ads and this is, this is an interesting Ben, you pulled this. I've been seeing this one from, from Team Warnock a lot. What's at stake in the December 6th runoff election? It's a good question. It's about who has the confidence and character to represent us. Who's willing to tell the truth? Who has the knowledge needed for the job? Who will work for every corner of our state, joining with Republicans and Democrats if it's right for us? This election is about who's best for Georgia. That's what's at stake on December 6th. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message. So pretty good, huh? Yeah, that's really good. It, that, that's one that when it comes on my TV and I'm cooking dinner or watching Jeopardy, I don't like 
flinch. It's pretty good. Um, I, I, well, I did see, you know, on the socials that he was around. Um, there's going to be a spot with Alvin, the dog, again, the I'm beagle. Glad Alvin's coming back. And we miss Alvin. Did you know? I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but too bad. I think Greg Bluestein knows that dog. I Greg think- Bluestein knows everybody. Of course. <laughs> I mean, th- that's the least surprising thing you could say. Greg well, Bluestein do- knows Alvin. Of course he does. That dog <laughs> uh, lives in Dunwoody. So it's, it's, I think it's one of his neighbor's dogs. And that was kind of a best kept secret. Those ads that's were the a- best. But, um, you know, so, <laughs> you know, I think Warnock's got those ads, but, you know, Herschel Walker is pretty much talking about who knows what? Oh my God, this was crazy. Late at night, hope we're gonna get better. Don't get better, but keep watching it anyway. Because the other night, the other night I was watching this movie. I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Sweet Night, or some type of night. But it was about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires are cool people, are they not? But I'm gonna tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Do you know that? I never knew. That. Uh, I, I, that's about all I can do. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate that you knew I was gonna be in a tough emotional spot when we were recording this. <laughs> <laughs> so you played that and now I <laughs> now I'm laughing. Um it's it just keeps it just it's it's I don't you know those clips go viral and it's really scary and it's just this is I mean this is not a man who is fit to lead. I I no, I I no. I, 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 I understand people want Republicans. I understand it, but this is not a man who's fit to lead. No, it's not. And that, you know, it's like the, that story he tells about the promiscuous bull, you know, that 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 kept popping up about the bull and the cow. I'm waiting for him to say, well, then the werewolf hopped over the fence and turns out it was all vampires. Like, it's, <laughs> what, is, like what is he even talking about? It's, so, what do you think? I mean, I really, I, I really hope, I happen to see, so, um, Jen, Senator Jen Jordan, Senator until January, um, was going to come on today, but I saw that she was out in a stop Walker rally. The Democrats are getting energized. Are they energized enough? I mean, I'm still worried about this. I, I, I I think so. I think so. And I, and I think that I'm glad Jen is there because Jen should be there because Jen, you know, she's the second highest vote getter after Senator Warnock statewide in Georgia. So she, she should be out there and she's the perfect person to be out there. Uh, there is, I, I really think that what the, what we're going to be hearing more and more about, you know, everyone knows that Herschel Walker held a gun to his wife's head. Everyone knows that he threatened the, the life of his wife and child. We we know all of those things. Now it is really like nuts and bolts. Like who who do you want actually being your voice in the United States Senate? Right. This is not. I mean this this is the Senate. This is this is. I mean, you think about the past senators we've had representing Georgia. You know, you had Paul Coverdell, you had Johnny Isaacson, you had Max Cleland, we've had Sam Nunn. I mean, we have had these these just statesmen. These we had Kelly Leffler and David Perdue. Oh my God! Anyway, no, but we had (laughs) the people I love, like statesmen and and giants and and brilliant, dedicated policy minds and. And, and do look, you want it to be this guy? Do you want it to be the guy who can't even tell a story about werewolves and vampires and cows and bulls? Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a look to David Perdue's credit. I mean, he's not, he's a, he's statesmanlike. He did things. He, uh, he was a CEO of companies. Yeah, he had a resume. Uh, you, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan, but, but, you know, you feel like if the boat is going through a storm, he could steer it. Yes. 
right? Yes, I think that that I, I think that that's totally accurate and fair. It is, yeah. I mean, it might not be who you'd want to be your captain, but you know, he would want to. <laughs> he would do his level best to make sure you all survive. That's right, and that's and that's that, that's what's at stake here. So we're we're gonna have to see about that. And also, on the day we're recording, um, Nancy Pelosi uh, has announced she's no longer uh, going to be speaker mm-hmm. and um, wearing her white suit. Just amazing. That icon, she's an icon. She's an icon. And this was just, I love this. You know, I watch The View every day. It's my favorite show. Um, I love this clip from Anna Navarro about what she said about Speaker Pelosi. Take a listen. There is something that nobody's ever going to be able to take away from Nancy Pelosi. She is the first woman speaker in U.S. history. She brought feelings. She made it possible for little girls. When we were growing up, we never saw a woman holding that gavel and up there during the State of the Unions. She made it possible so our little girls can now see that a woman can hold that job. And she's done it well, and she's done it while being married. She's done it while being a grandmother, while being a mother, and while being a representative. So whatever, you know, some people hate Nancy Pelosi. She's demonized on the right. Some people love Nancy Pelosi. She's given us some of the best memes in U.S. history (laughs) as well. I just want to say, forget politics, forget partisanship as a woman. Thank you, Nancy Pelosi, for breaking that glass to you. Couldn't have said it any better. Now, now I was listening to her to her speech when I was driving down here earlier today, and one of the things she said, she said, because she was talking about the first time she saw the Capitol, which was, of course, when she was six years old. Her father was being sworn in for his his fifth term. So her whole life has been affected by public service one way or the other. But she said, I never dreamed that I would go from being a homemaker to house speaker. Yeah. And she's, that's one of the things I love. I mean, she has, she has six, five or six kids. Well, she's got, well, uh, here's a, I found another clip of of Speaker Pelosi that we can just play. My friends, no matter what title you all, my colleagues have bestowed upon me, speaker, leader, whip, there is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. And I'm grateful that so many are ready and willing to shoulder this awesome responsibility. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, and it, all, everything that her husband is going through. Oh, God. I mean, and she is a, such a target of the right. I think so much of that is that because she's a lady, it's just, there's, there's no question. Absolutely. So I have a funny story about her. I sat next to her at an event one time. Um, I was in DC with my brother at, at, at a Ford theater event and she was there and I was sitting next to her and Terry, I was so scared because I didn't want to say anything wrong. I just didn't want to mess up. And all she did was talk about her grandkids and her, I think she's, yeah, I think she's got four or five kids. I don't know off the top she, of my head. At least five. Yeah. So, um, and you know, it's kind of funny to me. It's like, she's such a good, strong Catholic. And as I have family members that are, um, 
devout Catholics and hardcore Republicans, and they're easy to criticize her. But I can guarantee you if any of those people were sitting with her at a dinner party without all this vitriol, without all this, they'd be like, you know, she's a lovely lady with a conviction and chutzpah and brilliance. And uh, so I think she's gotten a, like, you may not like any decision she's made, and that's totally fair, but I feel like it's been unfair the way she's been villainized. Uh, 100%. And I will say, I, I had the opportunity to meet her oh. uh, this past fall for the first oh, time. Wow. And I was, I, I just, I, I, it was at a fundraising event. She was here for Nakima Williams. Yep. Um, but, I'll, you know, I've been saying, but there's so many members of the delegation where there. Lucy McBath was there. Hank Johnson was there. It was a, 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 a terrific event. And she, I was able to have, to speak with her and we talked about, I said, you know, so one thing we have in common is that we've had people ask our priests to excommunicate us. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, oh, that happens all the time. You know, she was just so gracious, but I will, you know, my mother is several years younger than, than Nancy Pelosi. My, my mother is in her mid seventies and uh, Speaker Pelosi, of course, is in her early eighties, but they, you know, they both we're Catholic school educated yeah. all the way through, have a, have a lot. There are a lot of similarities that I see and I will never, ever, ever forget. This was during the Trump presidency and she had just given one of her, you know, cause she gave regular press conferences and a reporter said, why do you hate Trump? And she stopped dead. She stopped cold. Oh, I, I remember and that. And she turned around and she said, I don't hate anyone. Yep. And like, I think that must be like a Boston catechism because I was like flashing back. I was like, oh, mom's mad. Mom's really mad. You can't say you hate your brother. You can't say you hate your sister. Like in my house, like there, and even in, like in my house now with my children, there's a lot that I let my kids get away with saying, we do not say hate. And when she turned around and stopped dead and turned on her heel and said, we do not, I, do, I don't hate anyone. She meant it. She yeah, meant it. She yeah. doesn't, she didn't hit anybody. And, you know, and again, going back to that institution of the house, you know, she was born really into that institution. Yeah. And one of the things she was saying during her remarks that, you know, she said, I view, when I talk about my house colleagues, I talk about, I, I really mean everyone who ever has served in this house. She said, that means Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. That means Shirley Chisholm. I mean, it was just, just again, that, that respect for the institution. And I really think that that respect for the institution, you know, whether it's the Congress or the General Assembly, that respect, that decorum, that refusal to hate, that is really the only thing that's keeping the wheels from falling off. Yeah, and people not showing up for her speech. You know what? So tacky. It's just, it's it's really a bad look. Anyway, you know, karma's a bitch. Okay, uh, <laughs> speaking of karma, a lot of other things are happening in Georgia as far as abortion is pretty much illegal and there's a lot at stake. So we have someone who is an absolute expert on HB 481 and everything that comes next. Our guest today is government reporter Maya Prabhu from the AJC, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we heard the news about HB 481 being overturned in a ruling by Judge McBurney saying it wasn't constitutional. And it should have been. I felt like bigger news. But it, 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 it news is going to news. And Maya, is you're sort of the expert on all of this. You cover government, politics, gambling, abortion, liquor, criminal, social issues. You got it all down, girl. Thanks for being on with us today. Yes, uh, Georgia keeps me very, very busy. So let's break down what happened. So HB 41 is the restrictive heartbeat bill at six weeks. And now uh, the judge basically said, because the law 
and, and correct me here because I'm trying to do it in like regular people terms. Right. <laughs> so because the law was written and passed before Roe was overturned, um, it's not constitutional? With Georgia's constitution. With Georgia's constitution. Right. So basically the way uh, Georgia's state law is set up, it's that you can't, the legislature is not supposed to be able to, even though I, you know, one could argue they do it all the time, but they're not supposed to be able to pass laws that don't align with federal law. And so since federal law determined that abortion was legal up until viability, which is, you know, can be about uh, 24 weeks. Um, I feel like that 24 week number is wrong. Well, what we are, what, what we're back to now, George, it's 20 weeks. 20. Right. I'm trying to think what, what viability, all, the, all these numbers are oh, jumbled in yes. my head. I'm trying to no. think what, what yeah. viability is. I think viability is later than 24 weeks. I can't pull the number to the front of my mind at this moment. But oh, okay. What, well. what, what the judge said is that, you know, Roe allowed abortions up until a uh, fetus could be viable outside of its mother. Um, and so because that was a law established by Roe passing a state law that restricted it prior to viability was illegal. And so the law was void um, upon passage and, you know, can no longer be, be enforced. And if lawmakers want to, now that, you know, the most recent decision with Dobbs versus, you know, the Mississippi case with Dobbs, um, they can go back, you know, next year or in the future and, and pass a law that restricts it further because that's, that is now the precedent established by the Supreme Court. So what do we think is going to happen? They've already appealed. Um, and, you know, I, these are a lot of questions I have for you, Maya, and, and for Terry, as far as like, what is the Georgia Supreme Court going to do? How long does it take for this appeal to go th- like go through? Yeah, timing timing is a is a good question. Um, you know, the courts kind of move at their own pace. I think I feel like Judge McBurney moved pretty swiftly, um, and he said in several of his um, his rulings and in court that you know this is an important issue that needed to be addressed quickly. Um, not every court operates that way, so uh, it's unclear. You know, the, the state Supreme Court has to accept it and then schedule it. And, um, you know, it's just a, a question of when they decide to, to put it up for argument. Um, you know, I think guesses are it will happen sometime next year, maybe later in the year, but I don't think there is any, you know, real idea on a firm schedule just yet. As far as what lawmakers decide to do, the folks who I've spoken to who are in support of HB 481 um, they say, you know, this judge doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just some Fulton County judge. And we are confident that when this gets in front of the state Supreme Court, they are going to agree with us. And, and this law is going to go back into effect. And so there's no real need for us to, to do anything else legislatively until the court process, uh, you know, makes its way through. Yeah. And honestly, for them to say McBurney is just some Fulton County judge is kind of a major understatement because he is 
if if you only if you only pay peripheral attention to what's happening in Georgia in terms of the court system, he's probably the only judge most people are hearing anything about right now. I mean, he he is he a lot of things have been landing in his in his courtroom and he did. You know, he heard they had two days of arguments shortly before the election. Uh for it was I think during the last week of early voting, they had the two days of oral arguments. Then he he did issue his opinion quickly. It is in in true McBurney fashion. It is a a very the opinion reads very easily. He has some fabulous footnotes. Um, but Maya, I think you're exactly right. Like no matter what happens with the Supreme Court, it's certainly not going to happen before the end of the 2023 legislative session. Yeah, for sure. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, folks who are very supportive of this law being on the books are kind of, um, you know, not, you know, when I, when I, made calls after the this ruling came out, I thought they were going to say, okay, well, we're going to go in, we're going to, um, we're going to pass something else that we know will stick. But the fact that they're just like, we're going to see how this plays out in court. I was honestly a little surprised by it. I, I am too. That, cause that was my big question. And I was even reaching out to Republicans. I know kind of, you know, on the, on the down though, like, so what's the over under? <laughs> like, what are we going to have to deal with this again during the legislative session with a brand new speaker and a brand new lieutenant governor and slimmer margins for the Republicans than they had in 2018? Or are they just going to punt and say, well, we're just going to wait and see what the court does. And I'm I'm certain there are going to be those lawmakers who are going to drop a bill. They're going to try to push something through. But, you know, what, you know, and we have, we have, I I think we can sort of predict what leadership in the House will do. I don't know what leadership in the Senate is going to do. And Maya, you're the Senate expert. Yeah. You know, we have, we have a whole new, uh, slate of Republican leaders over there. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, depending upon who you ask, if the leadership team does lean a little bit more conservative. Um, so it will be interesting to see, you know, the statement that I got out of that caucus yesterday was, you know, we're going to wait and see, you know, this is going to, we're going to be vindicated in court. Um, so that seems to be where things stand right now. But I remember, I always tell this story, I remember in 2018 when I'm pretty sure it was Justice Kennedy said that he was resigning from the U.S. Supreme Court. I turned around and I looked at my boss and I said, I'm covering abortion. And he's like, huh? And I was like, listen, I'm covering abortion. It's going to be a thing. He's like, okay, Maya, whatever. Then we turn around, come 2019, even, you know, the the governor had run saying, I'm going to pass the, you know, most restrictive abortion law in the country. But what he filed, you know, what his um, floor leader filed on his behalf was not the bill, was not HB 41. It was a, a trigger, it was a trigger bill that if Roe fell, which it did, um, that then abortion would be illegal in, in Georgia. And I think a lot of states had done that. A lot of Republican states had done that because it was kind of this, um, it was like this way of saying, hey, we're doing something on abortion. Right. But I promise you, like, I don't, I'm not certain how, how much they believed that Roe would actually fall as much as it was a policy position to have as a conservative. Terry says that all the 100%. time. 100%. Jen 100%. said it too. 100%. Jen Jordan we're talking about. Right. Okay. That's, and I'm curious because, you know, look, Maya, you're in it and you're talking to these people with politics and policy. We have learned from the midterms Now, maybe not so much in Georgia because Georgia definitely voted very red, but nationally, the vibe of the country, 
restrictive abortion laws are very unpopular. Even though Georgia, okay, you're maybe it's a red state now. Okay, but it's still deeply unpopular in this state. Do you think the lawmakers are taking that into account with all of this? Maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know. You know I think after Roe fell, I remember speaking with, you know, lobbyists on the um, abortion rights side of things. And they were saying, you know, a lot of Republicans who voted for the Georgia's law voted for it just because it's what they have to do as a Republican, but never thought that Roe would fall. And it was like the car, the, the, the dog that caught the car. And, you know, so maybe, I don't know, maybe they're looking at this state challenge and what McBurney has done and what will happen, you know, what may or may not happen at the Supreme Court as like, they're out to say like, hey, look, we tried. And the courts are the courts, you know, these liberal judges, which is what they say whenever, you know, so a judge, something doesn't go their way. Right. But they can't say that right? about the Supreme Court of Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even McBurney, you know, he was appointed by Nathan Deal. Right. right. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, so like, oh, you know, well, we tried, but these liberal judges are liberal judges. And, you know, now the margins are closer. And I think they don't. I don't think they want to bring a bill to the floor and have it fail, um, which it it might. You know, it was it was so narrow last time, and they have fewer Republicans in in both chambers right now. And you know, at least on the House side, on the Senate side, it was completely party line, except for like one person who didn't show that day to vote. Um, right. But you know, on on the House side, they had a handful of Republicans vote against it. That's right. And more than that, who happened to not be in the chamber? Yeah. Well, right. 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 Wow. So I guess, I guess just when you thought your beat got, you know, a little slow on this, in this topic (laughs) that like it was a done deal. And it is amazing to see, you know, you've been doing coverage of some of the, um, you know, clinics and it's, Mm -hmm. and tell us about that because from what I've read in some of your coverage that, the phones are ringing off the hook there, uh, assuming that people are coming from all over the South. Yeah, definitely. You know, for, you know, even before things happened with Roe, so even before the 2021 Texas uh, law, their restrictive law, um, you know, in the South, we were one of the more uh, lenient or more, we had more access for people who were seeking abortions. And so for years, they've been having um, folks come from from all over the region to have abortions done in Georgia. Those numbers, you know, have like picked up and picked down in the past couple of months because of everything that's going on. And it was kind of, especially in the days right after the Supreme Court ruling, you know, it's kind of like each day you had to figure out where abortions were legal and where, where, right. where they weren't because, you know, laws were going into effect and then judges were saying, no, actually it can't go into, you know, it was like this back and forth. So um, yeah, they've had, they've had folks coming from all over the South for years and, you know, phones have been ringing off the hook. Um, you know, clinics have started performing abortions, you know, once, uh, fetal, fetal cardiac activity is detected again. I think their concern is that they're going to start scheduling folks for appointments and then who knows what happens when it gets uh, to the Supreme right. Court and the Supreme yep. Court turns it back the other way. And then they have the same thing that they had where, folks in their waiting rooms are told that they have to go home. So it's like this weird line that clinics are having to, to walk right now as they're trying to provide the care for 
patients who want the care, but also, you know, stay out of trouble, make sure that they're able to stay open and provide the care that they can, regardless of what the limitations are. And, um, you know, not harm, emotionally harm people who are there for these services further by having to tell them at the last minute, oh, by the way, you can't actually have this done today. Yeah. And I don't think that that is going to be happening in Georgia anytime soon, just based on the timing of the appeal and how this will work. Right. Right. I think, you know, there's been some discussion about whether or not they asked the, the, you know, the state asked the Supreme Court for like a stay. So then that would like, before it, it makes its way all the way through, then it could be, you know, the law could be back on the books before or arguments are heard before the state. There's just so many, there's so many ways that this can, that this can go. And um, yeah, like you said, I, I don't, I won't necessarily say that I thought that it was kind of like settled. I knew that this was going to keep going, um, but the, uh, the back and forth and kind of the day by day uncertainty of, of where things are definitely going to pick up in the next few months, I'm sure. So I wonder about this in the final debate between Stacey Abrams and now Governor Brian Kemp. Well, he was the governor of them too. He talked about how his wife, First Lady Marty Kemp, experienced a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And so this to me seems like kind of fair game in a discussion with him over this law because potentially what happened to her this law could have really affected her. What's your take on that? Yeah, you know, it's there's so much uncertainty around um, how the law affected, you know, the handling of miscarriages. Um, and it really depends on who you ask. And, and we are not given... Uh, guidance from the top down on on the interpretation of the law, unfortunately, no matter how many times I ask. Um, and so, yeah, so you'll have folks who are Republicans who support the law saying that, you know, HB 481 has nothing to do with miscarriage. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't change anything. This is specifically about people who are choosing to terminate pregnancies because, simply because they don't want them. There's no, like, uh, there's no outside factor. So, I mean, I feel like in his mind, he, these are completely separate issues. But not, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, it's so complicated, which, and again, you don't have to take a position on this, Maya, but, you know, we're, we feel that that's really nobody's business. But anyway, anyway, Maya, you're like into animal rescue, aren't you? <sighs> yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I, I foster dogs like a crazy person. Yes. I, I've, I've fostered a couple of, of dogs. I've start, I, I would say within the past like six months, I've started fostering dogs as well as having two of my own rescue dogs. Cause you've got a pretty decent yard now, right? Or at least from based yeah, on photos. No, yeah. It's, 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 it's a good size yard. It's a good size yard. Um, my, you have a little dog. She's just a little terrier, 30 pounds, but she has long legs. And uh, I have a little four foot chain link fence that she can oh. jump over if she wants to. <laughs> no. So I, ha I have a yard in theory, um, <laughs> but there are some days that she decides to go on walkabout. I'm like, where are you? And it's oh always at night. So I'm just, and, she, and she's a black dog. So I'm just like, where is this dog? Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. You need one of those Apple tags for her. Yeah, exactly. Need... Um, yeah, for sure. Well, Maya, uh, Prabhu, your coverage in the AJC is just so great. We're so appreciative for you taking the time to talk to us today. 
Oh, I have one final Thank question, then, Maya. Who plays you in Flipped the Musical? <laughs> this is my this is my this is my dinner party game, and I've, 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 I've the blue steam book. I've like, who plays you? It's gonna, oh be, it's gonna be a musical. Even, who plays you? Oh gosh, I who who? Okay, so someone who sings. Uh, <laughs> let me think. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a real answer. Um, I'm gonna say someone who plays me. You know what? I'm going to say Tracy Ellis Ross because people oh. have always said that we look alike because we have curly hair yep. and large eyes and she can sing. So I'm going to go with Tracy Ellis Ross. All right. Okay. We've, very we're manifesting good. it. Very good. <laughs> Maya, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Maya. All right. Well, that was informative. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 I. I feel like the mood of the country sent a message to Republicans. I think it did too. And I, I, I think that I know in the House, at least, the Republicans who are in charge are really good at math. And they are not going to bring something forward that they know is going to be divisive uh, during a period that has the potential to be pretty tumultuous. I think they're going to want to have a steady hand. And the way to not have an even keel in the Georgia House right now would be to lob a grenade of another abortion bill. Well, yeah, there. and that's what's it's just so interesting. As we know, the Democrats have control of the Senate and we hope they'll have 51 senators, right. Democratic senators. The House, it's still not decided, but the de- the Republicans have control of the House. But it's but barely. But barely, barely. But like, I, I wonder if there is a calculation with those people, like they've got two years to election and the people have basically said we are tired of the crazy. That's right. They're not going to want like opening up a Hunter Biden investigation or like January 6th foolery, like, you know, discounting what the committee has been doing. I just think this, allu- I, th- I think it's, I don't know. I, I know. I agree. I think that they are going to really want to try to stick to issues and they're going to want to find issues that people actually want to vote on. And I think what we discovered during the midterm elections is that, yeah, the economy is a key issue, but also so is preserving democracy, also so is preserving choice. And people are making very thoughtful decisions about who they vote for and why they're voting for these people. And they're not like, well, the economy, so I guess I better vote for Republicans. No, that is not happening. And also, by the way, Republicans, if you're going to make the economy your issue, maybe present a plan. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Okay, so did you, so we were talking with Maya about who plays everybody in the book. Uh, that was Tracy Ellis Ross was a good one. You, you said you had somebody for Jen. I've been thinking a lot about this <laughs> and I I am thinking, and this is another daughter of South Georgia and she's right around the same age and she is talented and gorgeous and brilliant, just like Jen Jordan, Jennifer Nettles. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd that's be really my, good. That'd be really good. Okay, so we'll report that back to Jen. Okay, Uh w- we're going to take Thanksgiving off. Yes. Um, but I I want to give a shout out to Terry because I saw on Instagram, she did a pantry purge. I did a big purge. And wow, you have a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've not been to your house, but I was like, number one, amazing pantry. Number two, what are like? Are you, what did you, you have? Are you in saying there? I don't need eighteen kinds of vinegar, Mary? Because they're all different, <laughs> and they each do different things and have different jobs in my kitchen. So, my husband and I bought our house a little over seventeen years ago, and 
We love our house very much. And we bought it mainly for like, I, I pushed for this house mainly for two reasons. One is because we could walk to the library. The Smyrna library is right around the corner. And two, because it had this, <laughs> like the house was spec, but it had this giant pantry. I'm like, this thing is awesome. And I'm one of six kids and the oldest of six. So like my mother's two big things were like, you need to have a big pantry. You need to have a big laundry room because you need to have places where you can stuff all your shit when people are coming over so that your house looks yeah, nice that's, and put together. That's, that's wise. And, and I had been stuffing so much shit into my pantry and it was so out of control. And it is a, it is a large pantry. It has lots of plugs. Like I have a mini fridge in there that wow. we keep, you know, that it's like a, we got a beer slash LaCroix fridge. I've got a baker's rack in there. So I have like my microwave and the toaster and the KitchenAid and the, the And you Cuisinart. obviously, if you have a pan. I use it. We use Because you cook, you like to cook. I do. I cook a lot and my daughter bakes a lot. And okay. so like two shelves and like there's a hole you can't even see in the picture I put on Instagram. Like there's a pile of stuff over <laughs> our breakfast table on the floor and that's all her baking stuff. And she came down. I was like, Sylvia, this is yours. Like you need to sort through your stuff. So she sorted through her baker stuff. So two shelves of it. Like we have one, two... I think five different kinds of sugar in my pantry because of all the different, like when I say she bakes, she does like Christina Tosi milk bar, great wow, British baker. Like she, amazing. She's, she's a serious baker. Like we have like sheets of liquid gelatin or sheets of, I guess not liquid, but like sheet, gelatin sheets that she uses to make different things, all kinds of plastic. That's, yeah. that's like the hot, the gelatin pie yeah. is the hot new thing. Like I've seen it. It's like where you, where it's like a peppermint, uh, gelatin. Okay. That's, we've been trying to get Kim Severson to, now that maybe the midterms are over, yeah, maybe she'll have come on. on and talk to us about it. She has a, actually a great article about Turkey in yes. the New York Times, yes, like does. all the different Turkey trends over the year. Well, congratulations on c- cleaning out your pantry. It looked great. It was, it was a big project. I did. I emptied it entirely out, like took out <laughs> everything donated a bunch of stuff that I didn't need anymore to Goodwill, brought a lot of food I didn't need more to the, I had like, st- I was also kind of, a, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, but I'm a catastrophic optimist. So like when the pandemic was kicking in, I yeah. was like, like, you know, February, 2020, like I bought a lot of canned goods, like fruits and soups and things. I was like, okay, I'm, we're not, I was like, we're not going to eat these. Yeah. And they were all still good. So I took them, you know, took them to the, took them to the, you know, to the food pantry. And I am, I will say this now that I have the soapbox at this podcast, uh, Best Buy dates are one of the biggest scams ever perpetuated on the American totally. public. Totally, one of the biggest scams ever, except so, for milk and dairy. Well, no, obviously, but even then, you can smell it. And like yogurt's yeah. already bad. Baby, yeah. baby formula, I take very seriously. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But everything else, I'm like, is it really bad? Right. Probably not. No, it's a scam. Um, but I'm sure someone will call in and be like, uh, "You guys." So no, no, but. Best Buy dates, and this has been written about extensively. Oh yeah, in the New York actually, Times. I think I think Kim actually did a whole story on yeah, that. Yeah, total scam. Yeah. So, I, but I did get rid of a lot of stuff that I was like, I'm just not going to need this. But I do. I have a. There's, you know, I have lots of different beans. Shout out to Rancho Gordo if you want really good Love beans. Rancho oh Gordo. my god, there's, I've got a lot of Rancho Gordo. You know, five different kinds of rice. But I, but I like to have a well stocked pantry. Listen, you did great. It was great. Everybody know that that Terry has an or she's gonna get laws passed in the house and she's got an organized pantry. It was a real mental thing to me. Like I had to get that done. I had to get that off of my chest and off of my. I th- was thinking about it all the time. Every time I walked in, which is eighteen times a day, I was like, "This, I've got to do something." I I, I definitely get it. Well, yeah. uh, we're all gonna have home projects as Thanksgiving is upon us. Uh, I do want to say thank you as always to Christina Laringer for doing such a great job 
in uh, delivering this podcast out to you every week. Um, and we're going to keep that going. I mean, we got the runoffs going on, and then we'll see what happens. But we will talk to you next time. Happy Thanksgiving. And make sure you vote. Don't be a turkey. Don't be a turkey and make your plan to vote. <laughs>